Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Dr. Robin McCutcheon from Marshall University joins us again. And I have to tell everybody something here. Uh, She hits it out of the park talking about what's going on at Marshall. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't think that I know of another show or any other kind of broadcast like this that is discussing what is going on within K-12 schools or higher education in particular regarding the jabs. I don't know of any other show that is, that is covering this with any regularity whatsoever. Uh, if you know of one, please let me know what it is. You can email me anytime at AmericanEducationFM at ProtonMail.com. I would like to know. But as of right now, it's, it's my understanding that this is the only show that's covering this with any regularity whatsoever and the severity of what's actually happening. What Dr. Robin McCutcheon describes as going on at Marshall University is a living nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's exactly what we've been talking about this entire time with this show regarding these shots. And she has very specific observations and details as to what she is seeing and what she's experiencing and, of course, what the people around her are experiencing, her students, the staff members, you name it. It is as bad as you would think. And we're not even to January yet, and she clearly lays that out also. But what she is observing there is not singular to just Marshall University. This has to be happening everywhere, and yet I know of no one else who's covering this at all. So I need you to do something for me, and I I don't really ask this very often, but I need you to share this episode wherever you can. Send it to family members, send it to whoever you like. Uh, You can even be, you know, as, uh, oh, I don't know, casual or unknowing, so to speak, as you want. You can say, hey, look, I just came across this show. You got to listen to this because apparently this is going on at universities. And just, you know, email it to somebody or or text it to someone. The, the, The word here has to get out as to what's going on on these university campuses regarding the jabs. Uh, It's just going to become more observable. There's no hiding from this. There's just not going to be any hiding from this here. Uh, We also discuss a variety of other subjects as well, geopolitical things, economic stuff as well. But uh, move this episode along to other individuals if you can, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy it. Uh, There's a lot to absorb, and I will catch you on Friday. I was reading a post this morning that had to do with individuals that have taken the jabs in memory. And it was really uh, a very telling post, and it's a post that I'll probably read for Friday's episode, but the individual was going through it, and they were talking about the behavior of their father and the behavior of their mother and things that were happening over Thanksgiving that they just didn't understand. Um, Serious memory lapses when there didn't used to be any, uh, you know, things of that nature. And they brought up a lot of specifics, which are awful, I thought. But uh, I was going to ask you about that too, as to whether or not, because again, I, I know that you have family members who have, who have taken these shots and, and your husband does too, but are there are there noticeable behavioral changes? Anything along those oh, lines noticed. that you've seen? Yeah, I've, I've noticed that, you know, so I kind of got to get swallowed this throat lotions, get out of the way. Um, I've noticed that my sister has become 
what, what, what term am I looking for? Mentally fragile. Is that a good way of putting it? Okay. I don't, I don't know that her, um, and I don't talk with her very often, but she doesn't always seem to have all her faculties at her fingertips. And memory is one of those things that kind of comes and goes. Um, I can tell you in my students that my students have, have complained incessantly this semester about brain fog. My students, and they're, you know, 20, 19, 20, 21. And um, I had one guy say, I'm not... I'm not normally this scattered, but I just can't seem to, I can't seem to get my brain going in one direction. Some of the students have, have, um, I hate to sound like a doctor, but they've, they've begun presenting with old people diseases like gallbladder, um, not just dysfunction, but the gallbladder completely breaking apart in a 20-year-old. Now, I've, I've never really heard of that in somebody younger than 40. In fact, it's pretty odd for somebody younger than 40 to have gallbladder problems. But this particular student, who's probably not even 20, her, her gallbladder was just completely destroyed. She had it removed? Yeah. Well, what was left. Yeah. yeah she was taken in... Um, emergency they had to they had to do an emergency gallbladder removal or or you know suck out whatever was left of it but it was it, she was in bad shape and um and didn't really quite understand why her gallbladder went to hell in a handbasket so fast and i kind of i kind of looked around the class and i went hmm, that is interesting but um but my students, over the course of this semester, I've had an, a larger number than usual come down with serious illnesses, very serious illnesses, to the point where they were hospitalized. Um, I've had uh, more than one student confess to me that their parents are in very frail, fragile health, and their parents are probably, I would say, in their mid to late 40s. Wow. Um, their parents are coming down with old people diseases. Now, when I say old people, I'm talking, you know, 80 plus years old. Diseases that um, we don't see in somebody in, under 50. Um, I had one student in particular tell me that her dad was in really fragile health. And, um, and her, her mom was real sick. Her siblings were very sick. She herself had um, tripped, had somehow missed a step, and fell and gashed her forehead. Now, that might not sound out of the ordinary, but this, this is one of the same students who had complained to me about just not being able to get her brain going in the right direction. Just, it's, you know... Brain fog, really bad, isn't sure what's going on. And um, sometime during the course of the semester, right around the time all of these problems were presenting themselves to her, which she passed along to me, 
I showed the class the um, Twitter clip of uh, the Dutch Prime Minister. What was his name? Roos, R-O-O-S, right. where he was um, questioning the Pfizer executive. Did you run any tests to see if these COVID injections prevented transmissibility? And she kind of laughed and said, no, of course we didn't. Of course we didn't. We were moving at the speed of science. That's right. Or whatever her comment was. But I showed this entire clip to my class, the one in which this particular student was in, and she came up to me afterwards as I was letting the class out, and she said, my whole family's been jabbed. We had we had both, um, both of the, you know, the, the first two, and we've all had the booster. Oh, my God. And, and I looked at her, I said, your whole family? She, she goes, yeah. She says, my dad's a cardiologist, and he told us we all needed to get it. Oh, hell. Wow. And I, and I just, my mouth fell open, and I said, go look for yourself. I mean, I've got loads and loads of research inside of our special folder in, the, in our Blackboard but there's more research out there. I mean, I can only post just so much before I get sick of reading it. She says, "I've I've got to I've got to talk with my dad about this." And then nothing. Silence. She never came Silence. back. She never came back to you and told you what occurred. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Wow. Uh. Uh-uh. Nope. And um. And that same Twitter. Uh. Um, video that I showed my class, I had people, after the end of it, you could have heard a pin drop in the class. And then one of my students said, he said, I knew that was horseshit. Oops, sorry. I knew that was crap. I just knew it. Now, I, and I never ask. It's not my business. I, I would love to know. Who, who all has had the jab and who hasn't, but I never asked. And in this particular class, there's another student who has been sick all semester. She says, I just don't know what's wrong with me. She confessed this to me yesterday. She said, I just don't know what's wrong with me. Um, I just can't kick this. And and I, I looked at her and I said, well, I'm sure all of this started at some point, yeah. maybe after the COVID vaccinations came rolling through campus, and that's when it, it kind of hit her. How'd she look when you told her oh, that? She 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 got so pale. I thought she was gonna faint. But I mean sometimes you just you just you just have to be cruel to be kind. Yeah. And, these, no. and and what's interesting, of course, and you know this, is that these are just your observations, and they're and they're certainly accurate. Which means there have to be other people making these observations, and of course, your students are not the only ones that are experiencing right. this. Right. Well, I made a comment in yesterday's four hundred class that um, that the New York Times had come out with a little opinion piece. Not too long ago, I, I've been looking for it. Um, I don't actually have it, which is weird, but um, they came out with an opinion piece talking about Nuremberg 2.0 trials. 
that will um, start sometime in 2023. In fact, I just found a house posting, House of Representatives. You're going you're gonna to laugh at this. This was from July 2019. Adam Schiff gets the House to pass his amendment to broadcast the Guantanamo Bay proceedings. <laughs> um, wow. And basically, you know, for transparency. But I had made a comment to the class about the New York Times coming out with an article, an opinion piece about Nuremberg 2.0 trials coming up in 2023, mid-2023. Um, and I asked my class, I said, in the last Nuremberg trials, who got put on trial? And one of the students said, well, the Nazis. And I said, yeah, of course, but who else? And then somebody else went, oh, the scientists. And I said, the scientists specifically meaning, and they said, the doctors and the nurses that did the experimentation. I said, yeah. And they put teachers and professors on trial, too, because they pushed all that stuff as well. And I said, can you imagine walking through through campus and I'm the only professor left because I'm the only one on this entire campus that didn't push the jab. And that, that made them go, oh, my God, she's serious. Yeah, of course I'm serious. Yep. And we've talked about this before at length, that these institutions have no idea what they've done. Mm-mm. No idea. Nope. They've destroyed their own line of work. They've destroyed their own clientele. Yeah. They've destroyed their own individual and collective uh, credibility. Yes. Yep. So it's coming. Yeah. I'm not sure when, but, but I know it's coming. And, um, and I haven't let up this semester at all. Um, I talked uh, yesterday with my uh, principal's class about um, what I call macro labor, which is basically the overview of the labor market in the across the country. And, and I talked about um, how the Bureau of Labor Statistics comes up with these unemployment numbers, and um, and that led me to talking about the 40% excess death rate that the Society of Actuaries was um, beginning to see at the end of quarter three, 2021. And, um, and they were a little mystified. Um, and so they kept tracking it. And sure enough, the, the excess death rates were getting worse and towards the end of quarter four, 2021, and then into the end of quarter one, 2022, and they backed up. They backed it up, and they said the only thing that can be causing this is it has to be the COVID vaccinations. It has to be, and um, because that was the only thing that changed, right? In 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 the country, and so um, the information that I was looking at, one of the reports that they wrote up for the end of quarter two, 2022 was that in the um, 18 to 20, sorry, the 18 to 44 cohorts, people 18 years old to 44 years old, those excess death rates were almost at 100%. Which means that this, this, the, the people who are dying from this, it's not the old people. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of them that are dying anyway, but 
that are carving out a great big hole out of our labor force. Because if you're not there at the age of 20 to work, then you're not there at the age of 30 to get married and have children and to keep working. So, um, and my students in the class were, they were, I don't know, plummoxed, flabbergasted, astonished. And I, and I looked at them and I said, these COVID vaccinations, these COVID injections, um, they don't, they only, they don't only just kill immediately. What we're finding is that, you know, five, six, eight months down the line, people are dying of, of any kind of disease. I mean, look at that died suddenly, um, documentary that just came out. I think that was Stu Peters put that out, him and his team, where they're finding these great big gangly, um, blood clots in, in people who have had the, the COVID injections. And if you haven't seen it, it's worth your hour to go see it. Um, and it's free. It's all over the internet. I think it's gone viral at this point. It's like 10 or 12 million views. It's on, you can find it on Rumble and BitChute. And I, I think um, there, you probably can find it on Stu Peter's website. Yeah, um, I've seen it. It's incredible. Oh, it's yeah. I didn't. I didn't really want to see it, but I'm glad that I did. Um, I just think that the morticians and the embalmers who have been seeing this kind of thing, you know, they're seeing the end result. And um, and I keep I keep wondering. I have a neighbor who lives behind me who is um, he owns four cemeteries, and I keep wanting to go over to his house and ask him how business is going. <laughs> And my husband keeps saying, no, you can't go ask him that. That's just really crude. And I go, but I'm curious in there's, a sick sort of way. Yeah, well, well there's got to be a certain way to bring it up to him. I mean, it's a logical I, question, I, and he would certainly have right. information. He'd have to see an uptick. Right, yeah, you would think. And then you'd have to ask you him about, think. yeah, you'd have to ask him, too, about um, university professors or students. Well, like I said, the students this semester, I've seen, I've kept track and I've seen at least a 50 to 75% increase in the number of students who have um, not just sickness, but grave sickness. You know, they're, they're, they're bad off. And, and we had something that galloped through campus a week or two before Thanksgiving, and it just took out great big swaths of students. I mean... People were getting sick left and right. Um, they were very generous to me and gave it to me as well. Yeah. So it's, um, it was kind of like a, a flu, muscle achy thing that turned into upper respiratory congestion and, you know, your sinuses don't want to work. And it's a whole nine yards. But, but I think that when I talked with Dave Janda, he mentioned that that he and his wife had had um, come down with the same sort of thing, and I and I wonder if you have all these people with damaged immune systems, if these immune systems are not then producing some magnified mutant flu virus. Well, I'll tell you I, what. I don't know. I'm, 
Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a scientist. Well, as I've brought up on my show, it's it's not uh, it's not this viruses don't exist. There's not this standalone thing that travels through the air that infects people. There are there are normal cells in the human body, and then when those cells come in contact with abnormal cells by being around other people, the the normal healthy cells inside of a healthy person start to recognize those unhealthy cells in other people and then those cells within your body become disrupted and then you end up having similar symptoms that the person who is ill has you see what i mean so oh okay so it's that it, makes sense yeah it's electromagnetism it's what disrupts the positive healthy cells within your body when you're around other people who are unwell mm. so there, there's no doubt that the shedding is a huge problem and continuing to happen. And again, I was harping on this a long time ago that you know these environments, from a health-related standpoint and an immune system standpoint, are arguably some of the most dangerous because of the close proximity of people. And it didn't have to do again with all of this stuff that we heard early on with the social distancing back in 2020. That wasn't that wasn't the problem because the shots hadn't rolled out then. Right. They clearly needed that scare tactic in 2020 to roll out what they had planned for 2021 and the years after that. And now, of course, it's ramping up even more and people are getting sick more frequently and they're just blaming it on, you know, other people or viruses and, and illnesses going, you know, going around and this, that and the other one. Really, it's just you're, you know, you're, sur- you're, a, you're a healthy person, but you're surrounded by immunocompromised people. Right. Yeah. Well, one of my students was uh, let out a couple of great big sneezes in class yesterday, and and they were handing papers in. I said, I'm not walking through that spike protein fog you just spewed out all over the place. <laughs> and yeah. and the class kind of laughed, and I thought they wouldn't have laughed if they hadn't heard about these spike proteins. Right. But, you know, he, he lets out a great big sneeze, and people sort of start backing up a little bit. And I'm thinking, Heck, I just spread it all across the room, and I'm not going anywhere near it. Let me ask you this, too. Let me stay on the jab topic for a minute and and ask you a few more uh, Marshall-related things. First of all, specifically regarding your students, have, have you or they brought up the issue of reproduction and how once these shots have been injected into people that their odds of reproducing are slim and none? No, that one hasn't actually risen to the top of the pond, so to speak. I'm not. I'm not sure that that's uppermost on their minds. Although I can say that I have had at least two students come to me and and say that they have been struck down with some particularly aggressive STDs. There you go. And and I thought. Immunocompromised. You know that, yeah. That's that's not something I probably would have wanted to know. But um, but these these two students were really really ill, really ill, and and sort of at wit's end by this time. Um, you know, one of them is, is is you know she's one of them telling me yesterday she just can't seem to kick any of these illnesses out of her, out of her body. Nothing is working. 
And she she mentioned, and I forgot to jot it down, but she mentioned the meds that, that her doctor had her on. And I said, have you thought about trying ivermectin? You know, I'm not a doctor, but um, if, if everything that you're telling me is being caused by an immunocompromised system, maybe maybe ivermectin would help. And she just sort of looked at me and said, ivermectin? Don't they use that for horses? And I, and I just shrugged my shoulders and went, I don't know. It's a Nobel Prize winning um, medicine. So you guess it's something you're going to have to research. It's incredible. The things I'm still, that, yeah. yeah, I'm... <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's, I'm still, I don't know. I still go back to the one student who said, I didn't believe you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, jokes on them. Uh, have you told them, I'll tell you what I'll do. At the, at the end of our talk here, I'll email you a couple of a couple of sites. I don't know if I sent you that Fluvid 19 documentary either. Um, that came out months before Died Suddenly. And it's right up your alley. And I, I think you'll like it. Um, it's just as long. It's about an hour long. And uh, the other one, of course, is the website ivermectin.com. This is where you can acquire ivermectin for next to nothing. Uh, 100 tablets plus, depending on how much you want, and each one is 12 milligrams. And it shows up from North Carolina, and it is quite literally at your doorstep within like two or three days after buying it online. Wow. Yes, please send that to me. Yeah, and again, you know, I, I mean, I I hope you don't get fired for mentioning that to your students, but that's a that's a nice no. link to have, and uh, yeah, yeah. No, I just I I was just saying, you know, talk it over with your doctor. I know that it's yeah. a yeah. it's a Nobel Prize winning medicine, and it wouldn't have won the prize for being a horse based. Yeah, it's an anti inflammatory. Yeah, it's an anti inflammatory and an anti parasitic. It's you know it it. Has lots of uh, lots of cures for lots of things. Mm -hmm. The Fluvid documentary, I think I, I think I posted that for my students. Um, I might have even taken an hour out and showed it to them. Cause that rings a bell to me. Nice. So yeah, send it anyway. Send I will. it again, and I'll make sure that I post it. I will. Let me ask you about this too. And again. Economic question here related to the jabs. Has there ever been in the history of us or just economics in general a a collapse of the economic system or a dramatic drop in the economic platform, so to speak, regarding mass poisoning or mass illness? Well, I think you'd probably have to go back to the Spanish flu of 1918. Right. Um, it didn't. I don't think it affected the United States as much as it did Europe. But I mean, they were in the middle of World War One too, so sort of hard to tease apart the actual the actual legs that each one of those was imposing on the economy in Europe. But I'm, I'm sure it didn't. I'm sure having you know this virulent. A bug running around in Europe didn't help, and I know it didn't. It it only lasted very a very short time in the United States relative to what was going on in Europe. Um, but you know, minor 
microeconomies can be affected by uh, virulent, I don't want to call it a bioweapon, but, you know, by, by virulent um, sickness. So, you know, we've, we've had our, we've had our instances, but I don't think it would, I don't think I recall these sicknesses going countrywide. Might have been in local locales where it affected the local economy. Right. Um, but nothing like clearly what we're seeing now. No, no, clearly nothing like we're seeing now. And, and this is, this is something that is, it's affecting every country differently. I think what I saw in the, in the died suddenly documentary that, uh, um, country of Australia has been hit especially hard. I think they've seen an excess death rate all across the board of something like 70%. Yep. So, uh, clearly some of our, some of our countries have been gone after with particular, um, vigilance and, um, you know, clearly the mother wafers wanted to get rid of as many of us as they could possibly get rid of. Yeah. I mean, Fauci, I, Fauci I, keeps running his mouth on television, uh, you know, even after his apparent legal deposition in Oklahoma, where he basically <laughs> was saying allegedly that, uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese model can be an effective model. I mean, he's on CNN saying the exact same thing all over again. Um, yeah. Well, I'm not so sure that that's the Fauci we all know and love, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, because recall that in the summer of 2020, Fauci was gone out of the scene for several weeks due to throat surgery, quote-unquote throat surgery, and after he came back, he didn't really, he looked similar to himself, but he was, he was, his facial bone structure changed, and I'm I'm a little bit suspicious that maybe they took him out and replaced him with a replacement. That's one hell of a I, replacement. I think, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've dug up pictures of uh, the resident Biden um, across the decades from the early 1970s. I've got uh, pictures of him in the 19, early 1970s when he started running for Congress and then in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and the current one, and they all look different. Sure, yeah, well. And I, 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 put, I put it up for my students, and I said, "Can can one of you tell me which one of these is Joe Biden?" And and that's when it hit them. Yeah. They're like, "Oh my god!" And I said, "See, I don't think the guy that is there—that's not the real Joe Biden. I don't know which one of these pictures is, but the one that's there is certainly not the Joe Biden." that we knew in the seventies. Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, me personally, I think they are the same people. I, I think that they, really? I do. I, I think that they've deteriorated over time. Uh, certainly the stress of everything has gotten to them. Um, these were guys that were relatively, what's the word? Ambiguous for the most part, in particular among the public. And now all of a sudden they're thrust into the forefront and, uh, you know, if you, if you saw my kindergarten picture and a picture of me now, you would say that's not the same person. 
I mean, I even saw, you know, a, an acquaintance of mine, a friend of mine sent sent, uh, sent a picture of them back when they got married. And I know how they are today and how they look today. And they, they look nothing. I mean, it doesn't look like the same person at all. But I don't know. I think there's too many mannerisms there for them to be doubles of some kind. They're, they're too, uh, they're, t- they're too similar. I have, n- I have no doubt that we're watching, we're watching particular things happen. Like when we hear the phrase, you know, you're watching a movie. Okay. Oh, I've heard that phrase a lot. Sure. I've come to detest it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, of course. But at the same, because it's a, t- it's a horrific movie and, and, pe- yeah. and people are certainly dying, but, um, I, I, I don't think for a minute that bad guys, so to speak, would want Anthony Fauci continuing to say what he's saying unless they actually believed that the gaslighting was working and that Anthony Fauci was still credible. Because in the past, they would have removed him and just had somebody else show up on the scene because, you know, said person would have lost credibility. You know, I mean, they do, they do, I don't know. I mean, they used to do these focus groups all the time where they would, they would show particular individuals on TVs to, to groups of individuals and then study their reactions and say, well, do you like this person or don't you anymore? And then if the, you know, if the focus group didn't like it, then they would say, well, you know, it's that thank you for the information. Here's some money for your time and we appreciate it. And then a few weeks later, they'd replace that person with someone else. I think Fauci's being allowed to continue to say what he's saying in, in on television in front of the public because it's so absurd and it's so ridiculous. I mean, you probably saw him last week right before Thanksgiving. He came out in the White House press room and said the best thing you can do is get vaccinated, get a booster, take these shots every year and do the same thing for all your family members. I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I think that the reason that we still see Mr. Fauci out there is because I I think the absurdity of what he's saying may wake up more people. Yeah. I mean, at this point, maybe it's the whole maybe the whole idea is to finally start waking up some of these sheep who have been so asleep for so long. Yeah, and just to be disgusted I mean, it's with just the getting absurd. Oh, ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just the the sound of his voice and the look of his face has to has to be disgusting. People, even the people who again probably tattooed his image on their body and said, <laughs> you know, Fauci's the guy. <laughs> you know, he's he he's well, the guy we all need to listen to, and you know, whatever else. But yeah. Well, I think that you know Fauci is one of those people. If they haven't already hung him. Right. Um, for crimes against humanity, he he's going to be one person that, and I hear that hanging is a ghastly way to go, but he's going to be one person I'll look forward to seeing sent on to God. No doubt let, about let it. Let God figure it out. Yep. Let me let me ask you two more things about Marshall, and then we can move on to sure. other subjects you want to discuss. Um, again, related to the jabs and your students, have you seen anything regarding their academic work that would imply it not being up to par, so to speak? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially in my classes, um, I've, I've had students say to me, now remember in my principal's class, it's a very 
uh, it's a mass light class. So we, we tread a little bit into Algebra 1, you know, where we're looking at the equation for a line and manipulating um, very simple um, mathematical equations. And I've had students tell me that math isn't usually their problem, but they've had a big problem this semester trying to get their heads around simple math, very simple math. And um, and so uh, things that normal math problems for the bulk of the students that are, are not that troublesome have become pains in the neck for them. So yeah, I've seen it um, in my in my um, older students, the ones uh, where I have a lot of reading. The reading became um, really difficult for them. Um, we read through Atlas Shrugged, which is not an easy book to read through. Um, and I, I encourage students to read it with a dictionary and a thesaurus by their side. But, but even that, just, just the reading became untenable for a lot of them. And I had students say, look, I'm a good reader, but I just, I could not focus. So I found the book in audio format and I listened to it. You know, is that good enough? And well, yeah, of course that's good enough if right. you're finding the reading difficult. Um, but uh, yeah, it's this was a particularly difficult semester for students. Um, even the best of the students had trouble focusing. They had they admitted to brain fog um, numerous times through the semester. Um, they, they had quite a time trying to keep their, their calendars straight. And I'm not sure I understand that one, but, you know, my calendar is a, a paper calendar, so I don't generally have a problem with batteries and such. But, but the students just completely lost track of time. I, I've never seen it this bad, Sean. And I was prepared for bad stuff this semester, but this has been really... It's just been the semester from hell for most of my students. Um, they're they're constantly getting sick. They're sharing around their illnesses. Um, usually by by Thanksgiving in the fall semester, I still have fully half the class showing up. But this semester, I was down to a quarter of the class two weeks before we hit Thanksgiving. Wow. I mean, it it was it. <laughs> for, for someone who was ready, I was ready for all the badness to, to start showing up, and it was worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, the professors have been getting sick. Now, you know, I, I, I got shared with this whatever it was that brought us down, but, you know, we're, we're basically healthy people, and, you know, we increased our N-acetylcysteine as soon as I as soon as I knew we had gotten something, I bumped up the N-acetylcysteine to twice as twice as what we usually take, and we started on ivermectin right away. And you know, it was lots of sleep and chicken soup and orange juice and you know rest so that your body can heal. But um, a lot of my a lot of my colleagues were not doing that. The chair of our department was down and out for three solid weeks. Three weeks. 
it, it, this was, this was, you know, and if this is any indication of what the winter is going to be like, that it's just going to be awful. It's going to be horrible. I was going to ask you about your department and again, the professors and things, you know, what, what are they saying? And again, I mean, when, when one of them becomes ill, I would assume that in, in that environment, everyone is emailed and knows that a particular person is out. No, no. In fact, um, it's just by happenstance that I had, I just, just on a lark, I found out that the chair of the department was out sick. Um, because nobody says anything. And most of the, most of the professors are not there when I'm there. Um, I've begun thinking that they're all teaching online, that they're just taking, they've taken their classes back to the virtual format and they just don't even show up to the department. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I think that in fact, I know that one professor who was supposed to be teaching face-to-face classes um, after the second round of jabs, he got really sick. I mean, sick to the point where he could not teach face-to-face. Um, he ended up having some kind of um, I, I don't, some kind of bone problem. That was the most that I could get out of. Um, the other professors, you know, without being too nosy. Um, mm. But that I, this is my own personal observation is that a lot of these professors have taken their classes back to virtual. And I think it's because um, either they recognize that the classroom has now become a very dangerous place for them or or they wish to avoid any kind of contact with humans yeah. yeah so i mean i didn't know i, I didn't know the vir- this- i didn't know the virtual school was still an option um well i'm thinking that a lot of these professors are um they're they're not giving the school any choice you know you let me teach virtually or i'm out of here because i don't know how else you know i, I don't know how else these things can can happen. So when you're walking, I mean, when you're walking around your academic building, is it practically empty? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, usually in a fall semester, by the time we hit Thanksgiving, and that's about week 13, um, we're looking at, we're, we're looking at probably half of the students will show up. Now, in my class, in my principal's class, um, attendance is optional. They, they don't actually have to show up. I've got everything online anyway. All of my lectures are recorded, so they could listen in their dorm room if they want to. But, but what I've seen in the fall semester is the week before Thanksgiving, I still usually have half of my class showing up, but not this year. And I've noticed that the other classes around me are very sparsely populated. One of my colleagues, um, it looked to me like around week 10, which would have been like the beginning of November, um, started. It's a, She has a two-day-a-week class, and, and she would hold class one day, and then the next day that, that they had class, it would they wouldn't be there. They were just not there. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. the building is, is, it feels vacant. 
Yeah. Um, that the number of students that I see is far fewer, far fewer than a normal semester. So, and, and I'm not sure I have full explanation for what's going on, but clearly the students are not coming to class. And if, and if the students that I've heard from um, who have emailed me or contacted me and said, hey, I'm sorry I missed class these last two weeks, but I've been sick, or I've been in the hospital, or I've had, I had one student email me and say that both of her both of her grandparents on one side and a grandparent on the other side, they all came down with this horrible illness. And one of the one of the grandmothers had had a heart attack. And all of this the week before Thanksgiving. So I mean, it, it's yeah, it, it's been awful. It's and and I, like I said, if it's this bad now, and we don't even have really, really bad winter weather yet, man, I just can't even imagine what it's going to look like when we get to the end of January or into February. Is your semester over now, or do you have final exams still? We've, we've got this last week and then exam week, and um, I'm, I've, here's another piece. I've noticed that students are very slow very slow to turn in their their uh, assignments and get them loaded up and finished off. Um, I, I had another student contact me Sunday night and say um, something along the lines of she's been really, really sick over Thanksgiving, so I'm kind of nodding to myself, and she wants extra time at the end of the semester to finish her assignments. I, there's no more time. The semester is done on Friday. Right. You know, so I, I, I did for the first time, I've had all of the assignments for all my classes opened for weeks. Instead of a week, I had them open for four or five weeks so that the students would have time to get ahead and work ahead in the semester. And I had some students that did that. I had a Probably 10% of all my students worked ahead and got their assignments done early. And, and you know, so those are kind of the smart students. They're, they're the ones that are more um, time management oriented. But I've had, I've had a larger number of students struggle to complete assignments, not just on time, but at all. It, it has it has been the worst semester for students that I have ever seen in all all the years that I've taught anywhere. I mean, I've I've had I had a um, student who was um, he he had himself, and I can't say incarcerated, but he had himself put in the um, funny house to get psychological evaluation because he was suicidal. So, I mean, it, this is just, and I'm, I know that I'm attributing a lot of this to the jabs, but I'm thinking that if these, if these students have had the two, the first two and then had two boosters, they've set themselves up for some really, really harsh physical um, times. And, and I'm, it makes me feel sorry for them. And it, like I said, 
lot of these students have told me that their entire families have been jabbed, jabbed twice and boosted a couple of times. And it's, it's, I'm thinking we're going to be seeing, we're just going to be seeing mass swaths of death. When does, uh, when does your next semester start? Um, uh, I think the second week of January. Um, so I'm I'm hoping a lot of these students will go home and rest and not you know not party too much. I know that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to be doing is resting, yeah, sleeping, <laughs> you know, getting ready for the next round, which I'm not really looking forward to, especially given that this particular semester was so awful. I just I'm I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when you know illnesses start running through the college again. Have you talked have you even heard from any colleagues about any of any of this kind of related stuff, the student absences, the student illnesses? Has anybody else on campus brought this up? Oh yeah, yeah. The, there are I I have two or three colleagues that I bump into um more than once during the week and we've been sharing stories about our students and the massive number of illnesses that are running through their classrooms, which is why I, I'm thinking that what they've done is they've taken their classrooms back to the virtual format just so that they themselves are not in contact with the students. Um, and one of my colleagues, when the uh, boosters came out, um, he declared to the department he was not getting a third shot, and they thought that was they thought that was awful because they'd all gone out and gotten their third one, and um, and he said no. He says I'm not I'm not doing it. He said if the first two didn't work, then you know why would a third one work? So he also has been doing a lot of things not in the classroom, and. Um, so I, I think that I think that little by little, I think it has occurred to my colleagues that there's something about these shots that is not quite right. Um, in fact, one of my um, colleagues had come to me, and um, I made a statement. I made a statement about these shots are causing um, of. I think they're causing a vast amount of all-cause mortality, and I ran through the same kind of information that I just did with the Society of Actuaries. And she said, well, if the shots are bad, they they would have stopped them, right? And I said, but they didn't. And she said, yeah, but you don't have any proof that these shots are killing people. And so I directed her to the openbears.com website. And and I said, go and look. I said, um, and I pulled it up on my computer and I said, at that point in time, there's something like 42,000 people had died from the COVID vaccine. And she goes, that, that can't be possible. And I said, why not? She said, well, because they would have stopped it. Wow. And I looked at her and I said, but they didn't. They're still out there pushing. We're on booster number four or five, depending on where you're counting. And, and she said, can so she took this website. She says, well, do you have any other information? So I sent her I sent her more information about the jabs. 
And then I didn't hear, it. she didn't talk to me for about a month. I bet not. And, then, and, and, and I figured, so I didn't say anything to her. I just figured, you're a smart girl, figure it out. And that's about the time she started canceling her, her two-day-a-week class down to one day or no days. So, that so, was right about the same. Yeah. So, so do you, I mean, you believe clearly that a lot of these professors are utilizing their own illnesses, most certainly real illnesses, as an excuse oh. or a reason to, to teach virtually. And then, of course, they're using that against the departments to basically say, hey, look, we're ill. We can't show up. That would imply that department heads have to know what's going on. Well, if they know, ours isn't saying anything to the rest of us. And he's been um, out for three weeks, he said. <laughs> and, and he was out oh. for three weeks, the beginning of, yeah, he took the, the first, it was the last week of October and the first two weeks of November, and he was out. Wow. Um, so sick he wasn't coming in. And um, so, I mean, these, these are just anecdotal observations that I've been I've been watching. Um, I've been watching the um, accounting department, which is right across the hall from our department, and they're almost vacant as well. So a lot of I mean, they're, they're, you just don't see a lot of professors either in their offices or in the building at all. They're just not there. What, what, one, last, so, one last question regarding the sure. jabs. Have you seen a, a, phys, uh, a visual physical difference among these students? Um, and the, the picture that's in my head is Steve Kirsch. You may be familiar with him. He mm -hmm. was... Uh, of course, in the Died Suddenly documentary, and he writes a lot on Substack, but he's at the very least double-jabbed. And he put a picture of himself on Gab a couple of weeks back uh, before he took the jabs and then now. And there's, oh, I didn't see that. There's a physical difference between the two photographs. I'm assuming that he didn't really? you know, add makeup or anything, but he, he looks way more pale. His eyes are more sunken in. Um, I mean, this is this is something that I've noticed even among a couple of neighbors who live around me, is that they just physically look and are moving differently than they did two years ago. Well, I've noticed that the chair of our department has he he looks yeah pale, paler than normal. Um. For quite a few months, he had um, a rash around his mouth, like some sort of, um, I don't know, looked like red scaly rash. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. He, um, he, he doesn't look well. Um, it's hard for me to tell on people whose complexions are darker whether they're paler than normal. Right. Um, Not to mention you're so, around, you're around them all the time, so it would be, you know, it, it might be a little different as opposed to if you didn't see them for months on end. But yeah. Right. Right. But I've I've noticed on some of the other people who I don't see as often, they just don't look healthy. 
Um, they, they, they just, I don't know, pale, their skin is kind of flaccid. They're not, they just don't look vital. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yep. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's very uh, odd. It is. It is odd. Um, but it's, it's par for the course when it comes to the jabs. You know, this is uh, this is what's happening. This is going to continue to happen. And like you said, these coming months, I'll tell you what, it's going to be real interesting because I don't think that I don't think that a student going home around their jabbed parents or other jabbed family members over Christmas break is going to alleviate their problem. No, no, of course not. Yeah. Especially if they're shedding all over each other, reinfecting each other with those spike proteins, that's just going to be, it's going to be awful. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed, here's something else that I've noticed. There are an awful lot of single car crashes for no reason. Vaccidents. Um, yeah. I've, vaccidents. I've, I've observed in the last three weeks in our area, um, school buses that have literally drifted off the road, either into a ditch or down a hill, um, three different times for no reason. There's no reporting on why did the school bus driver drift off the road? Yeah, no one's no I one's mean, no one's asking those questions. No doubt about it. No, no. Yeah. Um, and there have been um, school teachers in the public school system, young ones, who have died suddenly. Well, young ones, 34, well, 35 years old. Yeah, locally where you live? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's happening. People are, they're, we're beginning to see the knock-on effects of people who have had three, four jabs. Um, you know, if, if these things are making the immune system go wacky so that the immune system is not able to fight off anything, then the common cold will kill them. Not looking forward to the winter semester. Not like I, not like I used to. Okay. So I guess it's just, you know, I'm going to just count off the weeks and do the best I can. And and if I have to go back to virtual just so I'm not in the same room as all these sick people, I'll do it. Yeah, you got to save yourself in this whole thing. Well, no one else wants to save me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All the more reason. Yep. Right. So it's coming. Get ready. So what else would you like to discuss? Certainly plenty going on. In fact, it was just yesterday I was uh, I was texting with a contributor to the show here, and we were going back and forth. She lives in New Mexico, and uh, it, I mean, you, you get on Gateway Pundit or any of these websites, and the things that are popping and the things that are going off right now, it's just all over the place. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There have been so many things that have been going on that it's hard to keep track now. Well, I was I was noticing the FTX exchange with that young man, Sam Bankman-Fried. Um, his went belly up on November the 8th. And um, 
one of the economists that I was listening to called it a, not a Lehman Brothers moment, but a Bear Stearns moment. So remember back in March of 2008, in the middle of March, Bear Stearns went belly up. Was it Bear Stearns or was it Lehman? Gosh, I forget now. But no, I want to say, anyway. Um, it, it didn't seem to roil the markets that much, but it was actually the first domino that fell before we got into the financial crisis of 2008 in the fall. And so somebody called the FTX crypto exchange going bankrupt the, the Bear Stearns moment. It wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back, but it was one of the last ones on there. And so I'm noticing that there are other crypto exchanges that are now going bankrupt. Um, and so I think that what we're seeing is we're seeing one by one those Ponzi schemes that were crypto. Um, I think it's I think it's going to be um, a wildfire, a conflagration of crypto exchanges and cryptocurrencies that actually um, take out a lot of people out of the market. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, and I'm not sure how many are connected. But I, I find it interesting that more and more of them are, are uh, calling the ball and, and saying, hey, we don't have any money. Yeah, let me we ask don't you, have your money. Right, no kidding. Let me ask you that then, because there's still a lot of people, even in sort of our realm of you know the alternative media, so to speak, that are pushing the cryptocurrencies. I mean, what do you make of yeah. these people who are still doing this? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, I know that, that I looked at, I looked seriously at buying Bitcoin maybe two years ago. Was it January 2020? And I got a, we got kind of a hinky feeling about it. Like, if you're going to buy, if you're going to buy something that's supposed to hold its value, then get something that you can actually hold in your hand. Um, because, you know, a, 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 a cryptocurrency is, it's even faker than the money that we can hold in our hands because it's not really there, right? It's, it's yeah. just digits, ones and zeros in a, in, in a computer program. So I, I shied away from it. It's, I'm not sure why people keep um, doing this. I, I, I'm just wondering if some of these cryptocurrencies are not, not Ponzi schemes. Yeah, you know, I heard... I, I don't know. I, 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 tend I get to, a bad feeling about them. Yep, I tend to agree with you. I heard... Uh, I'm going to get his name wrong, and, and I know he's an entrepreneur and a businessman and multimillionaire, if not billionaire, but um, Dan Pena, are you familiar with him? No, I don't think I've heard his name. Okay. There, there, there was a clip of him a while back. Uh, I think I played it on my BitChute channel, but he was giving a lecture someplace and he basically looked at the audience and he said, Bitcoin. He said, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. He said, if you knew who ran Bitcoin, he said, you wouldn't waste your time with it at all. And if people really knew, they, Bitcoin would drop to zero in a millisecond. And the guy Who runs Bitcoin. Well, I think the implication is the CIA or 
And he claimed again, he claimed he knew. He said, I know, I know, I know who runs Bitcoin. He said, if you knew and the people investing in Bitcoin knew, you would, you would leave Bitcoin instantly and it would cease to exist in a millisecond. And the guy talking to him said, you mean like the next morning or overnight? He goes, no, instantly. Wow. So the implication, I think, is that it's either, again, much like the FTX stuff, that it's tied into child trafficking, it's tied into politicians. It's a way to launder money. Yeah. Well, we know that that's what FTX was doing. They were laundering money for all the rhinos and Democrats in Congress. I mean, we've already sent Ukraine, what, $98 billion? Um, and, it, you know, what that not that what um, a, a tyrannical government does on their way out the doors? They loot the treasury? There you go, right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so, and I think I, I think I called Ukraine way back in February, the money laundering capital of the world. Little did I know. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me at this point. It would not surprise me at all if most of these crypto uh, coins out there are some form of money laundering Ponzi scheme. Would not surprise me a bit given what we've already learned about over the last six or seven months. I mean, really, truly, the only money that there is is gold and silver and and some other precious metals, copper, palladium, platinum, things of that sort, something that you can hold in your hand. That's the only real money there is. And, you know, the, the old scheme to get rich quick, buy this for a little bit, and it's for sure going to go up. Um, man, I'm I'm... That old saying, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Yep. I I would say, I would say avoid the cryptos. At, le at least I am. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I don't. It would not surprise me if Bitcoin was some sort of a a big scheme put put out by some dastardly government agency. Would not surprise me at all at this point. Yeah, seems awfully suspicious. Again, showed up on the scene a number of years ago, what, 10 plus years ago, somewhere in there. And then yes. people started investing, thinking it was just this online currency, quote unquote, that you can buy things online with it. And then the next thing you know, after about six years of being on the market, if you invested $1,000, you were a multimillionaire. If you just let it right. sit there. You know. Right, but that's only if you bought it, let it go up, and then sold it and got your got your fiat money back. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But something else to keep in mind is that I think in the last time we were together, I was talking about that executive order that Biden wrote out in March of 2022, Executive Order 14067, that directed the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve to come up with a, a central bank digital currency. Well, now that's, we're, we're at the time now where the Federal Reserve is working with 12 big banks around the country to roll out this central bank digital currency. And, um, and it's going to be wrapped up with the ESG scores and, um, you know, carbon credits and, and they're, they're going to, the government wants to track every single penny. Um, now, the 
central bank in Nigeria tried a central bank digital currency, and the Nigerians were able to defeat it by just using cash. They refused to use the digital currency, and so it went belly up. They were able to defeat that central bank digital currency, and I know I've been hearing a lot of people um, in the alternative media say, stop using stop using your bank credit cards, you know, just use cash. Well, I, I don't I don't know how that's gonna roll through. I mean, how many people in America have their monthly utility bills like kind of um, locked into their their bank account so that it's paid automatically through their bank accounts? Yeah, you know, I came across something last week and I, I think I included it in one of the episodes. I, I know I did, but um, you're, of course, familiar with Dr. Mike Yeadon and uh, Catherine Austin, Austin Fitz. The two, the two of them, I'm certain, communicate on a regular basis, and they certainly listen to one another. But he was, he was giving a presentation at a conference, which, again, was just over a Zoom call. But he was talking about some major bullet points that, that he wanted to bring up during his 40-minute talk. And he was talking about that kind of thing. He was suggesting mm-hmm. that based on what Catherine Austin Fitz has said, that this digital currency and this um, social credit score, so to speak, is is ramping itself up even more and is going to continue to strangle people whether they know it or not. And they're going to implement mm-hmm. this whether people are ready for it or not. And they said, of course, one of the first things you have to do is just not comply with it as much as you can. because. Right. The more you use cash, the more you're you're basically putting your finger in the eye of the enemy and saying, "I'm not going to play your game." So, right. you know, he, he said, "Debit cards are are one one thing that are basically pretty innocent. You know, if you don't have money in your account, then your debit card's not going to work. But the card that they're going to roll out to people, they're even going to roll it out to people as being free." That there's yeah. going to be sort of a, a prepaid card that's going to have free money on it. And they're going to want you to use that, and people will use it because it's free money. And then mm-hmm. that's when the social credit score and digital credit score kind of thing starts to starts to really take hold, because then people will start to put their money into that, and then they've got them. So, yeah, mass noncompliance again was was his his two cents on the whole thing. Use as much cash as humanly possible. Stay away from credit cards. You know, can, you can continue to use your debit card, but if they, if your banks start to push this free card that they suggest everybody has and give it a try because it has free money on it and it's somehow faster and better in the wave of the future, that you need to just cut that card in half and throw it in the trash. Very wise words. Non-compliance. Yeah. Well, Civil disobedience. That's how we kill this monster. I think so. That that and a steady trigger finger. I'm afraid. I'm yeah. I'm telling you. Look what's. I, I mean, look look, what's, look at what's happening in Arizona. You know this. I, I I found myself watching the Arizona thing yesterday. The Maricopa County um, Board of Electors. Board of Board of Sandbag Losers. I mean these people. Right. The things that they say, Robin, you know, I said this on Gab, that gaslighting is about all they have left. It's about it. I mean, they just have to say it often enough 
to where they'll believe it themselves and then everybody else will just go along with it so they think. I, 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 I watched some of it. Um, I, I was highly entertained. I hate to say it like that. Um, because I think it was a foregone conclusion that those rat bastards out in Arizona were going to steal the Arizona election. But I have to... I also have to pause and think, remember that a couple of weeks before the election, there was a little blip that ran across even the mainstream media where they were um, they were saying that the National Guard was rolling out their cybersecurity experts to 14 plus states across the country. I'm thinking it, they were watching all 50 states or wherever elections were being held. I know that they were watching the elections in West Virginia. And it, these cybersecurity experts, could, they can tell where the vote flipping is coming from. They can tell every single machine that's being used, um, if it's connected to the Internet, where the, uh, where the data is coming from and where it's flowing to. So I have a feeling that the Arizona election was the, um, the canary in the coal mine. And um, these people out in Arizona that stole that election, they may think they got away with it, but I suspect that the military has all the information they need to put every single one of those traitors behind bars. Yeah, I tend to agree with and you. I notice that Car- and I notice that Carrie Lake is not giving up. She's going full bore. Yep. Yeah, she, Good she, for her. Yeah, she has to know what's going on. And, uh, oh, yeah. but she also has to be tight lipped, I'm sure, about some of it because she can't consistently oh, sure. be making presentations and telling the enemy what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just enough to let the enemy know that we know what they're doing and, you know, we, we're watching you. We, if I think that the military has had all the information they've needed um, since long before 2018. Um, I think they, I think they have known about these machines for quite some time. I think they've been watching them. Remember, after twenty twenty, the twenty twenty election, right around the fourth or the fifth of November, there was a little blip that went dashing through the alternative media about um, one of the server farms, one of the CIA server farms in Germany that had been raided by some expert military force and they took all the servers and that was where um supposedly gina haskell got shot yep and gina haskell hasn't been seen since no she has not (laughs) so i think that i think that the military has all the information that they need they know the elections have been stolen they know every place where the election has been um, manipulated or flipped to um, whatever deep stater they wanted to get into office. And I think that this last round of elections was to flush out the people, not at the state level, but at the county and the precinct level. So, you know, I think that there are, there are plenty of jail cells down at Gitmo um, for a lot of these people. Yep. That's what I think. I agree with you. I agree. And I think that uh, 
Again, not a single media person is asking to talk with Gina Haspel. Not one. And you would think that they would love to talk to the former CIA director under President Trump. You think, yeah. So she's, like you said, she's either dead, wounded, in jail, or under witness protection while in jail. Something like that. Yeah. I'm sure they can take good care of her down at Gitmo. I agree. Um, I think that I think that what we've been seeing, we keep seeing the same characters be exposed to us again and again. Like Fauci just doesn't seem to want to go away. And I think there, I think this is going to just sound completely tin hat territory, but I think that there are a group of people, perhaps in the military that are just shoving in the sleepers' faces all of these rat bastards that have untoward plans towards humanity, like Fauci. Um, and, and whatever happened to um, Rachel Walensky from the FDA? And did you hear about the University of Michigan professor who voted for the EUA? She's died suddenly. She was some um, immunologist, epidemiologist, can't remember her name. She just died suddenly. She's like 67. And, of course, she was pushing the jabs. Yep. I think she got three of them. But we keep seeing these same people being shoved up in our faces over and over and over again. I mean, for quite a while it was Klaus Schwab, Yuval Noah Harari, um, George Soros, Bill Gates, um, Anthony Fauci, Rochelle Walensky, some of the people at the CDC, and then they, and then those people kind of disappear for a little bit, and a new bunch of people who are uh, genuine. Um, I'm trying to think of a nice way of putting it. They're, they're genuine rat bastards, and and they have. Nothing good for humanity, um, and and they they keep showing up in the alternative media as if to remind people, or maybe get to some of the new newly awakened normie people to say, see these these people here, the small group of Davos click, Cliff High calls them mother weffers. These are the people that are the enemies of humanity. And um, and did you notice that Al Roker has blood clots? Yeah, right Sh- before Thanksgiving. Shocking. I, I'm I'm astounded that the man is still living. Yeah. So I mean, the the little by little, the mainstream media are being exposed. I mean, Trump's been calling them the enemy of humanity for a couple of years now, at least, and. Little by little, if you're watching the mainstream media, you're finding that they're exposing themselves as well. Even locally Mm -hmm. here, the local NBC station, there are people that I watched for years in the morning that aren't there anymore. They're just gone. I don't know where they went. No explanation. Just gone. Yeah. It's a business with a high turnover rate, but 
with everything that's going on, there's an even higher turnover rate, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that I think that what we're seeing is we're seeing a continual um an, a continual assembly line of these characters that are being shown to us so that we can we can dig down into their past and find out are they really on the side of humanity or have they been doing things for years and decades against humanity that we're going to find out are, are really abhorrent. The Valencian Kaga, I'm not pronouncing it right. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and they were they were supposedly showing all manner of pedo items in a recent advertisement. Yeah. Not one Hollywood star, not one, has come out to say this is horrible. Valenciaga had come out to be anti-LGBTQ, there would have been a hue and cry that you wouldn't have been able to shut down. Yeah, you know, uh, Frank, on Quite Frankly, had a, had a good guest on last night, and he was talking about how, how coordinated these companies are, and they know exactly what they're doing in it when, when it comes to photo shoots. Everything is purposeful. Everything is placed exquisitely mm-hmm. with the full knowledge of the individuals involved. So for mm-hmm. them to come out as a company with your basic uh, PR statement of, you know, we don't support this, we wouldn't advocate for this, and yet everything that they promote and all of their pictures say the exact opposite, I mean, they just flat out don't care what people think. No, and no, it, and they're just shoving it in people's faces to say, this is, you know, we're going to lie to your face, and we're going to keep doing what we're doing anyway. Yeah. It was another. Um, it was just uh, another shot over the bow, I think, again to the yeah. the Hollywood individuals, so to speak, because again, their silence is deafening, and it just oh, proves yeah. that they're completely owned, without a doubt. Well, and um, the CEO of Disney stepped down, and Bob Iger came back, but then he said, "We're going to continue down our woke path because you know that's where our core values are." So I'm I'm waiting, kind of with bated breath, to see what nonsense they're going to do next. I mean, how many people who love Disney and the Disney characters are going to be horribly shocked when they find out that their beloved company of Disney has been a, a rat's nest of pedophiles? Because that's what I see in them now. I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. The, you you know you got the six you got the three sixes in the Disney logo, which is not Walt Disney's autograph, although he was a Mason and a pedophile himself. But the point is, is that you know you've got those three sixes in there, and then you've got the Disney Plus six 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 plus. I mean, you know, they're just throwing it right in people's faces who who can see it and who understand it. Um, and then of course, you know, like you said, these stories come out about changing CEOs and Disney losing money. You know, I heard someone counteract some of that, and they said, look, if if you think Disney is going bankrupt, they're not. They have individuals who fund them, and it's it's not the customers that are funding Disney, although that's certainly part of their revenue, but they've got some of the most evil people funding Disney in order to keep it afloat, which is why it's stayed afloat for as long as it has. 
that uh, it, it yep. would it would take an absolute miracle in order for them to not exist because it's too good of a propaganda machine. I think at some point that money has to dry up. I mean, look at, I go back to the FTX exchange, crypto exchange going bankrupt. How, how much of this money that's been funding these uh, pedophile networks is being sucked out? It's just disappearing. How many of them are have any money left? Yeah. You definitely have to go so, for the root, so. no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that I told Dave Janda maybe a couple of years ago that you have to stop funding these people. You have to take their money away because that's the only power that they have. You take their money away and they will dry up. There won't be anything left of them. And I think that that's what we're seeing all across the world. These um, these pedophile networks that have been in. And so that's, I think that's one of the reasons that Biden keeps sending money over to Ukraine. He's trying to single-handedly keep these these networks going, and they're just there's just not enough money in the world to do that. And they're eventually they're just going to go belly up. They won't have any money left. Yep. If you if you cut if you cut out the root, and and the root can't produce or. The corrupt company that they want to keep afloat, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they cut it off so think, again with a lot of the child trafficking in foreign countries. I know it still goes on, but they certainly, the implication, at least in those Q posts, was that they, they, they cut not just the head of the snake, but they cut the root to slow it down. Yeah. So I think it's good stuff. I, I, I don't know how long it's going to take for um, the military to completely dry up all the money so these networks don't have anything to run on. Um, but eventually, they're going to get to the point where they got nothing left. And um, I was listening to SGNN this morning. He has another file out, number 28, I think, where, where he said, um, at some point, these these whoever is in charge is going to make a last desperate attempt to keep control of everything and it's not going to work i don't know i don't know i wouldn't have any idea what what they're kind of planning but man if i was the bad guys i'd want to take as many people with me as i could on the way out the door so and if i can think of that and i'm not necessarily an evil person Certainly the evil ones can think of this too. Yeah, I certainly think, think, I I completely agree with you. And I, I, I did listen to his report also. It was, it was thought provoking and I like his reports. They're very thought provoking. You can tell he's putting a lot of time into it and thinking about all the different plays and the different options. They certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, the enemies certainly have more planned, if not for anything else, certainly more distractions as more revelations continue to come out about what's really going on and more people are waking up. They need those distractions yeah. in order to uh, to get people's minds and eyes and ears off of what's really going on. Yeah, but our, our goal is to stay focused on them so that we can keep pointing out to the, the sheep and the normies around us, this is what's going on. Do not be distracted by all these little things. I mean, even Arizona, 
the election steal in Arizona could be one giant distraction. Because look at what was going on besides Arizona. The FTX crypto exchange went bankrupt. The Valencia uh, Caga, whatever that, that, you know, that was another thing that got exposed. So our job is to stay focused and make sure that we keep our eye on the ball so that we can, so that we can be telling our students or our friends or our family, you know, this is what's going on. Don't be fooled here. Don't get distracted and, and keep your eye open for what, what the next shoe to drop might be. And always, always, always do things to protect yourself. You know, um, get yourself some storable food. Make sure that you have some cash on hand. Make sure that you're stacking some gold and silver if you can do that. And, you know, make sure that you're um, neighboring up. Be, be, you know, find out, find out who the good neighbors are. Start working with them. Because I think at the end of this, once we get once we get things kind of shifted around, and a lot of these um, human trafficking networks are shut down, and the entire network is exposed, we still have a lot of work to do to put our world back together. Because when you look at everything that's out there, every system, every institution is a cabal form. It's, it's all in the format that the cabal and the deep staters have put out there. So, so for example, in the, in the university system, that's a complete and total communist system. So how do we rebuild it so that it is a free market system? Um, and, and you've said the same thing about the K-12 education system. I think I think those two, because we're from more familiar with them, we can maybe take a step or two backwards and say, okay, well, if we're going to rebuild it and we really want it to stick around, how do we rebuild it so that it's not a cabal communist system? Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the yeah. same. I, th I think the same thing is happening with the church. This is one of those. This is one of those things and avenues where no one in the mainstream media is talking about it, and I'm not even hearing a lot of people in the alternative media talk about it either. Which is the the church has been given their orders too, and that filters down from the very corrupt satanic top, so to speak, all the way down mm -hmm. to the local denominations. And uh, I can just speak very briefly on this, although I'd love to have her on the podcast. In fact, it slipped my mind, which was stupid of me, but my my aunt just just left the church as a choir director, and she was a choir director of a Methodist church. And the emails again that they're that they're even receiving now, uh, and the decisions that are being made from the top down, I mean, they're they're moving hard left. Wow. And, and they're basically feeling, sort of putting out feelers to their congregation, so to speak, uh, as to as to what they think and what they feel. Keeping in mind, these are all masked, jabbed people. Not, uh, you know, not the case with my aunt. She was awake and fully understood what was going on, and was, of course, communicating with with our family as to what was going on. But um, she withstood all of it. And was basically sort of abused throughout the process, but her, her her church has clearly lost their way, 
And I mean, they mm-hmm. lost it. They lost it a while back, but uh, I, I think I think one of the avenues that people need to pay attention to and and certainly listen in on is is what's going on within these churches. What are these emails that the you know church ministers, preachers, so to speak, are receiving, and then what direction are they all moving in? Because it seems like they're all moving hard left because they've all been given orders. Wow, I didn't even realize that. I mean, I saw a little um, article about the United Methodist Church was literally shaking itself apart because they were moving in the LGBTQ um, agenda direction. And there were a lot of, I think I read that there were 256 um, churches that have decided to split from the United Methodist Church because they don't like the direction that it's going. There you go. I didn't realize that. Yeah, but I, I again, I think that what's going to happen is a lot of these big mega church groups are going to decentralize. They're they're going to split apart. They're going to go back to their roots. And um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's happening everywhere. The the cabal and the deep state and the Kazarian mafia have ruled every aspect of our lives for hundreds of years. Everywhere that you look, that's a cabal set up. Our banking system, the um, government at the federal, state, local, and precinct level, all of our institutions, our schools, our churches, everything is run according to how the cabal wanted, wanted it set up. And it was all to enslave us. All of us, or whoever's remaining after this last little bit of bioweapons crap they got going on. So, yeah, everything I think is, it's going to shake apart. And and a lot of these, even in the church, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shake apart. And, and people at the local level are, like, at your, even at your aunt's church is probably going to go, you know what, I'm, we're not going that way. We're going to disassociate from the from the big church, and we're gonna we're gonna go back to our roots. Yeah, I don't know what their population is. You know, I don't know the numbers of people that are still attending, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine them opening their doors to those kinds of ideologies. I mean, they already opened their doors to the pharmaceutical industry. We know that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're all, they're all jabbed. They're probably sick. They continue to push the jabs, but you're right. I mean, I can't imagine them staying afloat if they open their doors to the old rainbow club, so to speak. No, I, I can't imagine it. And, you know, if you think about it, if if these if a lot of the people in the churches have been jabbed two, three, four, five times, that whole thing is going to resolve itself eventually anyway, sadly. Yeah. There won't be anybody left. Yeah. It's the constant thread. There's no doubt. Yep. Yep. It all goes back to the jab. Yep. All of it. So anyway, I, it's exciting times. I, I certainly would not have wanted to miss this one. This is the greatest (laughs) time ever to be alive. No doubt about that. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.